Do you have more pictures of your goats than yourself on your phone? Does your vacation time get spent attending goat shows? Can you have a conversation without bringing up dairy goats? Neither can we. So join us as we talk to the country's best breeders, judges, appraisers, and industry experts about all things dairy goats. We are John Kane and Danielle Caroli. Welcome to Ringside, an American Dairy Goat podcast. What's up, everyone, and welcome to Ringside. I'm John, and I'm joined by the coffee lover, the coffee lover, the coffee lover, and the Nubian lover, Sonnens, I guess, Danielle Crowley. What's going on? That is such a descriptive introduction for me this week. <laughs> I, you know, I just, I just had to cover all the bases for everybody. Yeah, coffee, 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 maybe a few goats, and we're good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So how are you? I'm doing well. Uh, it's <laughs> For people that don't know, it's it's Fair Crunch Week, getting ready for the Dutchess County Fair, um, which is yours and my uh, week-long county fair, and I'm not ready. I don't know about you, but I'm just flat out just not ready yet. So I'm telling myself I'm well-prepared. And it has mm. nothing to do with the fact that I have my beverage koozie, whatever you want to call it, my beverage insulated can ready and able to get going and do that. But I have a game plan in my mind. And as long as I stick to this game plan, we will be good to go. Yeah, well, that's, you know, good for you. Are you done clipping? No, I have touch-ups to do on four, and I have full body clips to do on three or four does. I have one doe complete. Okay. So you're in rougher shape than I am, I guess. I have uh, two to clip, two and a half, because the Guernsey is a long-haired Guernsey, so she's just going to get the typical five to ten minute Guernsey clip. That's it. Oh, okay. So, so yeah, I'm ahead yeah. of you, which is great, but I have to... I'll try to get one done during my lunch break today and maybe one tonight. And if I can't get it done tonight after work, which is midnight, then I'll just get it done tomorrow after Alice goes to her grandma's for the day. Nice. I had to laugh because... After last week's episode aired, I got a comment made to me of, what are we now in a competition to finish clipping before John does? And (laughs) I just laughed and said, no, it just kind of worked out that at that moment in time, I was ahead of him. And so we could, you know, it was a good place to be. But now the weekend was crazy. So you had time to clip and I didn't. So I'm a little behind in that, but my plan is to get a lot of body clipping done this evening. I do have 4-H fair cleanup I have to attend, and then on Thursday morning, I'll finish what clipping I need to do, and on Thursday, we're recording on a Wednesday just for 
everybody's kind of context. So tonight I'm going to clip and tomorrow morning I'm going to get some clipping done. Thursday night we'll be packing the tack box. Well, don't we have uh, something going on Thursday night? Yeah, well, like Thursday early afternoon night. Oh, okay, okay. Sorry. No, I was just like, did it get canceled? Because I I have also planning for that meeting. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) No, Thursday evening, chore time, we will repack the tack room. And then Friday will be the camper. And then Saturday will be the feet touch up last minute odds and ends maybe pack my stuff so I'm prepared and have things to wear while I'm at fair and then I think the plan is the goats are gonna go up Sunday and then I'm gonna meet the goats so that's my plan we'll see either that or we'll bring them up early Monday after chores but yeah I I was going to do Monday but because we're showing on Tuesday and Wednesday this year instead of Wednesday, Thursday, I want to get them settled. And then Monday morning I can do utters because our junior show, a separate junior show is before the combined show. So I want to make sure that I have time to clip utters and all that stuff or, you know, shave utters and make them look good and make sure they're show full. So I just don't want to pack too much in on monday so that's why i'm gonna come up by myself sunday and get them set and then i guess monday at some point i'm gonna go get tyranny and alice and then we'll be there for the week nice nice i don't think i'm gonna work i was going to work and i just don't think i'm going to like you're taking the whole week off from your yeah, job yeah no i just don't want to work anymore <laughs> done working <laughs> well, doesn't you can't say that doesn't one of your uh don't we have a new listener who's now? Uh, who oh, he's them? not gonna listen. I Come know. on. <laughs> Come on. He was just being nice. <laughs> if he's listening, I'd be shocked. Yeah. But just in case. Yeah. Hello. Thank you for yeah. listening. He's not my employer anyway. He just he works on the other side of the whole spectrum. So oh, it's fine. Everything's great. <laughs> he knows how crazy it is. Uh he probably doesn't want to work either. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so that's like kind of what our week's looking like. We're and we're getting this this episode done because we just want to be able to kind of relax before show day and um, next week because this will be coming out on well moving day slash beginning of show day whatever. Um, so yeah, and then we're gonna record at at fair. Are, am I speaking that into fruition? Yes. If it's on the podcast, it has to be true, right? Exactly. (laughs) We'll figure it out. We'll figure something out. We'll have an episode most likely recorded while we're at fair. We'll have to kind of figure out logistics and Oh, I can. That's fine. Well, no, no, no. I just want to make sure it's a good quality episode and we don't have fans. Just bring your microphone. I will have my microphone. Do okay. not worry. I'm just more, you know, the studios aren't coming with us. It's just the microphones. Well, so. I do have the touring bus, so we'll be fine. Okay. All right. We can always just do it there if it gets too crazy. Okay. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Um, should we move into some ad good news before we get into our main topic? Is there much to talk about? Uh, Well, I just have one kind of gripe thing that I want to you know, also speak into fruition. And that is 
when are like correct results going to be corrected for national show results? Like well, that's we a have, good it is because we have a communications director that makes a decent salary to do their job, and they can't get it correct. Like, are we are we kidding? Like, you just watch the dang live stream and you'll get it. Like, there's, <laughs> and they'll tell you the utter placings too. And oh, by the way, people are submitting pictures for class winners and and breed winners and and what about the embedded youth? Like, we're just going to just pretend that that didn't happen. Like, I'm sorry, but they used to be able to get it done at Nationals. Now, granted, this was with a bunch of volunteers working on it, but they were able to get this book done at Nationals. And they can't get this done, what are we, two months after Nationals now? It's just ridiculous, and it's it's annoying. And please, somebody pay me 60, 70, 80K, whatever this person's making, to not do it because I would love to just get that money. Well, and I think there's other things at play too besides somebody's salary. But this is an official ADGA document. And as a breeder or a buyer, we use this document to help influence herd decisions and breeding programs. For instance, if we're talking about AIing a doe, maybe we haven't necessarily seen kids because it was from several years ago that this buck was, but we know that at nationals, this buck had three daughters and they placed third, fifth, and tenth or in their classes. Or we're looking to, there's so many things that these results are used for. And the fact that they are published and know, and everyone is aware that they are incorrect and it is still up is baffling to me. At what point does res, do results become official and at what point are results unofficial? And how do you trust results posted? And I know human error exists. I'm not saying that and there's room for that, but... At some point, this has to be correct because this is an important part of the American what the American Dairy Goat Association does. Nationals has the effect to influence breeds for years and years to come. And so yeah. if results are not correct and are influencing breeding decisions or buying decisions or selling decisions, whatever it is, this is a huge deal. Oh, it's 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 big. Like I know everybody's like, oh, it's just you're just crying on the internet. Like people are just complaining. Like, no, this isn't complaining. This is do we want something that's just half or do we want something that's correct? I mean, right. it's it's really not that hard. It's time consuming, yeah. But again, people are getting paid for that. So earn your salary. And I'm sorry to sound mean to this certain person and attack this certain person. I'm really like, I'm sure that this person is a f fine human being. But in a professional world, if you can't get your job done, there needs to be repercussion and nobody's doing that, right? If I go to, to my place of employment and they tell me to do something and I just do the bare minimum and just 
say, hey, like this is this is wrong, but you know, you get what you get. I get fired, man, or at least written up. Like there'd be some repercussion for this. Like I'm not telling anybody to, or I'm not asking for anybody to get fired, but I'm saying do a better job. Like earn your pay. Like do do better. Every like it's just it's so mind blowing, and I just wanted to kind of highlight it. And yeah, probably complain and cry on the internet, but it's really like this is an important thing. Like this isn't something that they just go people look at and go oh okay good for them and then that's it like no people are looking and seeing what the trend is for herds for breeds you know and seeing what what they have to like look forward to if they want to invest in some semen or some animals um granted they can always go on facebook and look this up but this is supposed to be an official capacity type thing and it's not at this point. So it's just a joke. And yeah, that's my that's my gripe for that. I just kind of wanted to highlight that before we got into our topic. Yeah, no, it, it really is understandable and broader picture, yes, you could say, all right, well maybe somebody should know what their animals placing, but if you have a handler that was showing your animal. I mean, I had a conversation with somebody this weekend and they asked what the doe I was handling placed at nationals for them. And honestly, I couldn't remember. I knew she was most likely, and I knew she had not made the top 10, but I couldn't tell you, and she had made the cut, but I couldn't tell you where she fell. And that should have been something that they could have easily looked up and trusted to find on these results and obviously would think yeah well and i think about it is you know if these results aren't trusted and we put out our top 10 list and we publish a top 10 list that is something that's even harder to verify and come up with but it just starts to kind of spiral and these documents how do you advertise you have a top 10 doe if you can't trust the programming to pull out the correct animal or programming people producing this. And I know it's probably different facets of ad that would be putting it on the top 10 versus the national show results. But at some point when the breakdown is there, how does, how do you trust these results or expect that these results to be accurate? And it just kind of spirals. It really does. So yeah. Oh yeah. I was, I was going through the list uh, for Oberhasley with a friend of the show, Kurt Schnippke the other day. And we're sitting there talking I'm like, Oh, well you had this one placed here and, and here. And he goes, wait, wait, wait. He goes, that goat wasn't even there. So he, he goes, it was the other goat um, that should be where that goat was. He goes, but yeah, that goat wasn't even at nationals. So, like, we're putting animals that weren't even at nationals in the top ten. Not great. Not great. (laughs) So, anyway, we should, speaking of, you know, breeding decisions from, you know, looking at the national show results, um, obviously you should be uh, making your choices beyond just looking at a list. But this week we're going to be talking about picking the pairings for breeding season. Uh, and, And, you know... It's kind of like that they're Pokemans. You know, I want to breed the very best. You know, it just, it just feels right, right? 
nice, nice little song and dance. You know, you're thinking about all those breeding decisions, the gives and takes of each one, what the progress for your herd should be. It's huge. It's huge. It's game time. It's go time. What are you doing for your decisions? The time is now. What do you think, Danielle? I think this is going to be a lot of fun and interesting to hear your thoughts on your breeding program and then mine as well, just simply because so often it just gets published and we put out, okay, Doe A, she has a date with Buck A or, you know, she's going to be bred to a different Buck here and this is what's happening, but we're kind of today taking, we're opening up that curtain and just giving a little insight on how that happens, at least in our minds as breeders. And so I think, first of all, just kind of even hearing how you come to your own decisions as a completely different breeder with a different breed. And then when I had to put my thoughts out, when I had to take a moment and figure out my thoughts of, all right, well, yes, this is my plan to breed this doe to this buck. But I have to figure out why I want to do that. And usually there's the information in my mind, but it's kind of interesting and neat to actually have to put it into words. And so we're just going to kind of talk about that this today. Yeah, it's it's I mean, I love pairing my animals and trying to figure out what's going to improve, you know, for the next generation and and. You know, you got to kind of set a goal in mind for that. Uh, and what are, Danielle, your goals for your 2023 kids as a herd? So I am thinking for 2023, I'm going to be using several bucks, but I want to maintain the consistency as a herd as I differentiate herd sires. So for those that don't really know about my herd, my animals came from two maternal half-sisters. And as I grew my herd, I only, I've had other does in the past, but currently my herd makeup is all of does that descend from these two does. And it just kind of worked out that those two does were the does I wanted to continue my breeding program with. And we started using bucks and it seemed that for a while when I only had a buck in the herd or two bucks, it was the daughters get bred to the next buck. And so there was a lot of animals that they're all related and they're all kind of stepping stones, but with that comes a lot of consistency. So when I look and say, okay, what do I need to improve? For the most part, if I have an issue with one doe, I'm going to have that across the board. So I want to maintain the consistency because I do keep a small herd. And so it's a lot easier to bring in animals, particularly bucks, when I know that let's say my goal is to breed and improve my dairy strength. And Mm -hmm. I'm not saying, okay, Doe A needs dairy strength. Doe B has too much dairy strength and she needs a little bit of more coarseness. And it's all kind of there and continues to funnel. So I definitely want to keep the consistency of my kids when you're adding in new genetics. 
but I also am looking to add more length throughout. I'm playing with mammary systems as well. I definitely am looking for more height into that mammary system, more rear udder arch as well. Um, there's a few does I need a little four udder in. And so those are my big areas that are really where my focus is. It's the mammary system, but then also a little bit more length of body will definitely benefit my herd as well. So those are the goals that I'm looking for for 2023. What about yourself? Uh, my goals for 2023 are, um, well, we're definitely focusing on mammaries um, and both bucks that we're using definitely will be improving that. Um, but we're trying to kind of keep that dairy strength that we have. Cause I feel like our herd's pretty powerful when it comes to dairy strength. Um, but we also need to refine with smoothness of blending. Um, you know, maybe, uh, I hate to push maturity on my young animals, but they just, they just need to, we need to work on barrel depth at a younger age. You know, I, I really hate sitting on animals, uh, waiting until they're nine, uh, to get that depth of body that they should have had when they were five, you know, <laughs> you know, um, so, right. so we, we, with the bucks we're using, you know, we're looking to clean up mammaries, uh, smoothness of blending and without losing feet and legs because feet and legs are very important, important to us. And, um, I feel like, especially with the Oberhasley breed, those are e very easy to lose if you're not careful. So that's, that's what our goals are. Nice. Nice. And now kind of, I think back to our conversation and a presentation I've witnessed from Mark Baden and kind of thinking back to that 40-40-40 episode that we did and also how you start to manage the data of performance pedigrees and one of those things. But one of the things he does is he compiles a list of basically all the available bucks in his tank, in his barn, I'm sure stud service as well, and starts to work that out. And so I guess my question for you is, how do you figure out which bucks you have access to? Are you looking at all the bucks in an hour radius? Are you thinking more towards AIs? How does that kind of figure in this year? Um. So for, for this year, I mean, we're, I'm so different than you because we're still building with what we have where I'm not really looking too far outside. Um, but if, if I were to want to expand outside of my own buck pen, um, I would look at, first of all, what's available for me to use on the outside within, yeah, you know, within a couple of hour radius um and i would look over their pedigrees and what they are and and you know really delve in and see if they're really worth it um look at daughters that's always a you know a big thing uh but i i like yeah i i look at adga genetics and their linear history if they have any um i know it's kind of weird now where we not everybody's getting appraised every year and the data's the data from previous years until recently wasn't on there, um, but yeah, I'm just I'm just delving into 
each animal and seeing if they're even worth me trying out and if they're if they would complement my herd. But again, that's really something that I'm not looking into. I know last year I tried one AI and I think that was just like a, a you know, just shooting off the hip. You know, it wasn't really a well thought out thing. Like I'm actually kind of OK. I'm OK that the fact that it didn't take. Um, but this year I'm really sticking to what my breeding schedule says and and sticking to it. What about you? So I think it kind of depends each year for me. And mm-hmm. I am really fortunate that just the same as kind of how showing goes, we live in a very geographically condensed area in terms of where goats are. And so I do have access to bucks that are amazing and and yeah. ultimately both my breeds I'm going to say I'll say Nubian and then I'll say Sanin cuz my experimental we are going more on the Sanin path with her but so I do have access to a lot of bucks that I can use and enjoy using if I wanted to and so I typically do kind of keep those in the back of my mind. I mean, particularly for my token experimental, I'm not at the position or not at the point where I, with only having one Snoobian Sonnen, it really, I can't justify keeping a Sonnen buck as much as I would love to. Um, There's no point in that, particularly when I have amazing herds that I can visit and use their bucks with. And I also just am not quite in the position where I want to start adding sun and semen to my tank. I just find it hard to justify in my head quite yet with that, with where I am in my experimental sun and program. But Mm -hmm. I do think this year, I just don't have, I need to prove out my box. I need, I have a young buck who I need to, get some offspring on the ground with. And then I have a, I think he's going to be three. He's a three-year-old buck this year and he's stingy on his doe kids. And I've seen doe kids in other herds and there's been a few doe kids I've had, but I've sold, there might've actually only been one to be honest. And I think, and I sold her, but I haven't gotten a lot from him and so I need, to, I mean, he's in my barn. I'm feeding him. I like him. I want to see what his daughters are going to do as well. And so in my small herd, I do have to be cognizant of these things. And so this year for me, while I do have some AIs, that's quite frankly, simply because I'm like, oh my gosh, I have two full tanks. I have to start using some of the semen. Otherwise, it's going to be, why am I keeping it? Why I I don't want to hoard. So I'm going to start dipping into the AIs as well again this year. But I do definitely want to focus on using my bucks and seeing what they can do across the herd. Right. Yeah. You want to get a look at those udders. And if you have, if you use them heavier, you're going to have more options of retained animals. Um, It makes more sense. You know, you could be hit with a, a buck you only get a few does out of each and then you know if you didn't say you didn't use that buck on those does that actually gave doe kids and you'd be a year behind again right and ultimately 
the value of a buck is what they can produce. And my bucks will be collected. I'll be selling kids. And some of those factors have to justify keeping them down the line. And, you know, maybe their semen won't be in hot, hot demand, but if it's sitting in my tank, it's got to be there for a reason besides just, again, semen and horning, which I'm guilty of, I'll admit. Um, but, <laughs> which, okay, sorry all, but here is a little tangent on ter- in terms of semen hoarding and why this is actually an issue and why I am AIing some of my does this year. But I had to, I am storing semen for a friend of ours and actually Carly from K&K Caprines. And I am mm-hmm. storing cow semen for her she has a small herd of beef cows and so she was AIing these beef cows and so they were cedared and I got the call that they were ready to be bred and that one of her other friends was going and breeding these cows for her and I needed to show up with my tank and have the the cow semen available yeah you're the dealer I was the dealer Um, I had, there was two bulls that we were using and I swore for the life of me that they were in one of my tanks because I have two and I'm really revealing all behind, like everything behind the curtain today. (laughs) But so I have two tanks and they are about as chock full as they come. And so I thought everything was in one tank and I was very happy because this tank is just slightly less full and so easier to maneuver when you're pulling out straws and so I thought we were good and I was gonna go and so I grabbed the tank and I should have just put both tanks in the truck but I thought no everything's in this one tank we're good oh boy well I get there this cow guy who AI'd probably 100-plus cows a year on his previous Angus farm, if not wasn't AIing for other people too, but like a big deal cattle inseminator, looks in my tank as we're pulling out the straws and goes, oh my God, I don't think I've ever seen a tank this full. (laughs) So that was fun. We'll start with that. That was fun. And then I realized that the second bowl wasn't in this tank and so I had to run home and grab the second tank and load it up and bring it out and this tank was even more full (laughs) and granted he deals with cows and he deals mostly with beef cows but he just looks at me and goes that those two tanks are full with dairy goat semen and was just so baffled by it and I just had to be like (laughs) yep Yep, it is. They are. And I'm like, and yes, he's, and he, we were struggling to put it all back, like put the canisters back. And he's like, I think you need a third tank here. And I said, yeah, I'm working on that. And we're going to start a GoFundMe for your, for your. Yeah. But needless to say, I have two tanks full and disclaimer, it is not all mine, but probably (laughs) Uh. 75% of it is. And so with that, we're just dealing with the fact that at some point, 
it's not doing any good sitting in the tank. So long story short, it's not doing any good sitting in the tank. And so if I have it and I have animals that I can use it on, I'm going to start using it. Yeah. I mean, I feel you. I mean, those tanks don't get any less full. You're Somebody else is going to collect a buck that you're interested in. And all of a sudden you've got two canes extra in there. And then, you know, John collects one of his bucks that he just added. And, oh, there's 50 straws. It gets dangerous real quick. I get the baby buck in my hurt in my barn collected. I need to add him. I mean, listen, there's a there's a third tank is in the works, so I'm not worried about it. But at some point, you got to use it. We can, you know, we can make a, a ringside tank. Use it, you know, write it off for the business. <laughs> there we go. I like it. <laughs> All right. Well, since we're talking about the bucks, let's 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 start with what bucks uh, you have on your farm to use. Right, right, right. And so just kind of for fun, we're just going to share quick, almost elevator pitches because we're going to kind of get into the nitty gritty. And so because both of us will be using our herd sires pretty heavily this year, Mm -hmm. we figured it was a good place to start. So this way, as you're playing along and we start talking about does, you'll kind of know who the bucks are. So I have two bucks on my property I have my homebred herd sire, King's Rock, Colin the Calvary, and he is out of my doe, King's Rock, Raindrops on Roses, and she is a permanent champion. And then he is also out of Elite Buck, Angel Skies, Count of Monte Cristo. And so he, so the Count of Monte Cristo is also he's an SGCH and he's a plus Darby buck. So Cal, as I call him, is a B star buck because both his dam and his sire have that performance pedigree with him. But Cal is an obvious, he's three years old. I haven't, like I said, I haven't seen any mammary systems yet. He's been stingy with his daughters, but he is a deep bodied buck. He is just so deep in that body. He's nice and wide in that rump. And he's just shows such great substance of bone as well. And then oh, he's a big dude. Oh, he's a big dude. And then we talk about kind of his pedigree. I mean, Rosie is one of the fav- my favorite does I've bred. She was just the 305 performer at the Adga national shows this year. And then I mean, Count of Monte Cristo is kind of a really cool buck, and we've AI'd to him several times. We actually have Cal and then three daughters in our herd right now from him, and he's the he was the sire of, um, and he actually just passed away the other day, but um, he's the sire of the 2015 Abga National Reserve Junior Champion, My Enchanted Acres Rainbow Skittles. Um, there's a lot of production and nice memory systems behind him. So Cal kind of comes with a packed pedigree and with animals that work really well or have been working well in our herd. So um, we're using him to maintain the production we want in our does while also hopefully seeing really nice memory systems and lots of length of body too, because 
while Cal may not necessarily have quite the length of body, but I think that's more so in just his extreme depth of body. He kind of hides what length he has. His his kids are definitely usually long and wide and growthy too, which is cool to have as well. I mean, some of his kids just grow and grow and grow. So that's the quick elevator pitch for him. And then I also have my junior herd sire who I'm really excited about as well. And his name is My Enchanted Acres in the Zone. And so he is out of a young doe at in My Enchanted Acres who is a, um, her name is Corazon, or Corazon. And she is a Blue Thunder daughter from their herd and she also has a little bit of Count of Monte Cristo in there as her senior as her sire sire um and she actually is out of the lines mix well with what I have and kind of line breeding on another buck I had and then lastly he is out of my enchanted acres or sg my enchanted acres leading man who is the sire to a well-known buck candy man that's doing a lot of good in the Nubian breed and so and a lot of production behind him as well so it's kind of a cool pedigree that we get to play with I think candy man right now so my buck's paternal half-brother is the number two buck on the elite list and so we're hoping that he'll add production and Um, but also we're hoping we're going to see an improvement in the mammary systems with him. So those are my two bucks that we'll be using heavily. Nice. Let's go Oberhosley now. Oh, go into the Oberhosley. Well, mine's, I'm not going to like go like as deep. Like that was crazy. Like good information. All right. Let's do it. Let's do it. This is sharing insights here. So, uh, we'll start out with my two year old buck, uh, Oberboard Vasquez. He, was appraised last year at VEE 88. Um, and anybody that knows Kurt Schnippy's herd knows Overboard's got uh, some of the most consistent mammaries and bodies uh, in the breed. Um, and they do really good things for not only his herd, but they, he influences other herds too. So we we snagged Overboard Vasquez. He is out of Overboard T-Wind Valkyrie. Uh, I think she's a pending champion now um, off the top of my head. Uh, she was the first place three-year-old, uh, first place utter, um, and best utter of the 2022 national show. Um, so she had a really good year this year. Um, and then his sire is Overboard Stormbringer, uh, who is a Roman candle son and who's a buck that I've uh, admired his daughters for a while. And unfortunately, he's no longer around and, and he was never collected, so... Uh, having a son is really cool. Um, you know, there's a lot of uh, reserve national champions in there and a lot of um, premier sires, um, just a lot of cool stuff in that pedigree of his. Um, and he's got the general appearance to boot. Um, so he's got mama's general appearance and he passes on to his kids. So we love him and we loved him so much that we dipped back into the overboard pool this year and we're leasing a buck from Kurt Schnipke. Uh, his name is overboard return to Oz, uh, which is a fitting name for a lease buck. I think, 
Uh, <laughs> uh, listen, uh, we've talked about this name before. I think it's a very nice name. I think there was a lot of other potential names that could have been used, <laughs> but I don't think you and Kurt liked my references to all that was going on in pop culture at the time. So we'll move on. I'm just a little bitter, but you are a little bit bitter about that. That's just okay. a little bit. That's all right. You can come up with some sun names this year. How about that? Okay. Uh, <laughs> or next year. Um, so his dam is overboard seven rings. She is a three-year-old first freshener, uh, but that doesn't hold her back. She was also the third place three-year-old, and I believe she had third place utter uh, for her age class at nationals as well. Um, and his sire is overboard Gatsby's arrogance. Um, so it's a really cool pedigree here. Uh, there's a lot of cool things with using both these bucks because um, there's a lot of intertwining with like uh, really kind of like the famous bucks like uh, Tootaloo Attention, um, you know, Roman Candle, like I, I mentioned. Um, and there's just like there's really some cool callbacks uh, in the Oberhasley breed uh, with these two bucks. So intertwining their them with like daughters and granddaughters uh, is going to be fun. Uh, but this buck, he's he's like his mama. He's long. He's level. I mean, he's super long, long dairy neck, uh, correct feet and legs again. Something that I look for. And uh, her mammary for a first freshening three year old is uh, to die for. So I'm, I'm really excited to use him as well this year. So that's my box. I have two. I sold Orion. I know people are like, well, what about Orion? Because I've mentioned him on the podcast, but uh, he's he's gone to Indiana now and uh, we'll be doing good things out there. But yeah, that's, these are the two bucks we're working with this year. Nice. Nice. All right. Yeah. So before you doze in heat, obviously there's a game plan on who she gets bred to because mm-hmm. I'm imagining it's not just open the gate and whoever gets her first is the one who gets to breed her. So let's pick, do you want to pick a doe maybe and talk about who she gets bred to and the thought process behind why she's getting bred to that buck. Sure. Yeah, I can do that. Um, so if I go to my schedule, uh, we'll highlight, well, I'll highlight the one that probably everybody's going to ask about when they look at it. Um, especially like the overhouse people. But, uh, so I have, um, Hillier farm busload of faith. She's going to be a first freshener next year. Um, and she is out of, one of my um, one of my nicer body does that I've ever uh, bred, and she's sired by Vasca, so she's a she's a nice long level doe, um, really dairy, um, and I kind of wanted to cement what Vasca brings to the table with this doe, so this daughter of his. So I'm actually using. Voskus on his daughter and seeing what happens and you know it's kind of like a throw it at the wall and see if it sticks scenario but I think if I can cement those udders and cement that general appearance and really clean up some stuff with Voss on his daughter I think it, it would be it might be a home run oh my gosh that is one to start with dude I just I I was we might as well just let it go. Let's do something crazy to start and let it fly. This is definitely one to talk about and awesome to bring into a discussion. So she's going to be 
a her daughter or her offspring will be daughters and granddaughters of Voskis, correct? Yes. And what percentage of inbreeding does that show up as? Oh, let me uh, run it real quick. I wasn't really. Um, you weren't prepared for follow up really question. Prepared for a follow up question. So if I run it here in the good old add good genetics, put in Voss real quick. It'll take two seconds. All right, and because nobody names their goats busload, she's easy to put in there too. She's the only one. All right, generating. So the results, results Mari Pofish has the re- results, and uh, it would be uh, 30.96% inbred. Nice. That's pretty high. And as as you would suspect, uh, the highest contributor is Oberbord Vasquez at 14.23%. No. I know. Sorry. 14.23%. Um, and then everything else is, you know, 3 and then less than 1% for the remaining. Um, But the exciting stuff on here is not only Voss, who's a very nice looking buck himself, you know, phenotypically and also with his uh, pedigree, but his sire and his dam, who are both very solid animals, obviously, in their own right, are up there. Um, Now, the only concern with this breeding that I have, and mark my words now, is that uh, there's this buck attention that i mentioned um when he's used a little bit heavier uh you tend to get a little bit of white so there's a potential for some white in this breeding with a 2.18 percent contributing percentage from attention but uh honestly with everything that's behind this breeding um i it was one that i just i was like i'm gonna try it like What's if if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, and I move on. You know, my my, I'm so young that I can play with this type of stuff and still be okay, right? So I think it's I think it's exciting. Oh, I think it's exciting, and I don't even think your uh, youngness in dairy goats has anything to do with your ability to play or not, because once you've been breeding dairy goats for long enough you're going to realize that even if it is a perfect pedigree on paper, national champions, stacked galore, or top 10 records, excellent appraising animals, on paper it could look gorgeous, but then the kids come out and you go, what happened here? (laughs) Um, Do I have a pet home that this animal can disappear to really, really quick? Because this isn't being registered in leaving my barn it's not this isn't a perfect science otherwise this wouldn't be fun so sometimes you do have to take risks and i think this is a really cool way to do it um the other thing is you know that well i'm assuming i'm kind of looking at a pedigree and i'm seeing this so and i don't know Oberhausley well enough to like really really say it see it but you can kind of work with Oberhosley and line breed, but then you also have your other side of the pedigree that would have been a complete outcross still with animals. I mean, busload of faith has that Orion buck that you mentioned some older lines as well. And kind of mm-hmm. the way your herd was growing, 
So there's outcross genetics in there. So it's not and right. it's there. And yes, it's 30%, but there's also enough there of different blood that it makes it work, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's, I mean, I've got definitely, it's not top to bottom stacked overboard, right? Right. So it's not too, too heavy. I mean, yeah, 30.96% sounds scary to some people. And I'm sure. Some people were like, holy cow, 30.96, 31%. Um, it's it, like, honestly, I think, <laughs> I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be pretty stellar. I, I, and everybody says, you know, it's, it's line breeding unless it doesn't work. And then it's inbreeding. Like, honestly, I, this is going to be like a 50, 50, like these kids are either going to be really cool and really flashy, or they're going to be really white i don't know <laughs> we'll see yeah no and ultimately i have a doe that's a 26 percent inbred and it's the same thing i her name is double shot because her buck her sire is a espresso and so she's a granddaughter and a daughter of espresso so she's a double shot of espresso um and She's a finished champion. She milked. She's retired now, but she milked well. She earned her milk stars. Her, she's was probably one of the most influential brew does in the consistency of those daughters that she was having and putting out there. And so she has a daughter. And I mean, as terms of how big my herd is, I only have a daughter of her. Oh no, sorry, I have two daughters. But um, I have one milking daughter who's now a champion. That her granddaughter from that daughter is an amazing two-year-old. So there is merit in trying this and seeing what happens. And like you said, if it works, it's line breeding. And if it doesn't work, it's inbreeding. Yep. So that's my, that's, <laughs> that's my most exciting or I guess most eye-opening breeding. I mean, I have plenty of exciting breedings, but what's your most exciting breeding? Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> pressure's on. Um, Are you going to go with the Nubian or the recorded grade? Mm-hmm. Well, I oh, pressure's on because at this point, I'll talk about my recorded grade, but I don't necessarily, okay. because we tried this last year, I don't necessarily know if the excitement is there. But the want is like, I want this to happen. Don't get me wrong. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, come on. Like, there's nothing new exciting there because we were doing it last year. However, that I guess I shouldn't say there's nothing new there because in the year that it's um, the year since she, she was not bred and is now standing dry, a lot has happened in the son and herd that we take her to but (laughs) you're not kidding (laughs) um but we're hoping to breed king's rock s lottie dottie or gch you know still pending king's rock lottie dottie to um champion arby farm jude and so jude is out of their doe justina who Sonnen breeders know very well. And then also out of a buck called um, Araby Farm MFS Mac, 
who is the daughter of Marrakesh, who, oh my goodness, mm-hmm. I've had the pleasure to show Marrakesh several times. She's, she's a pretty doe. She's an amazing doe, or might have been was an amazing doe, but like gorgeous, deep-bodied, powerful, correct animal. He's also out of McQuitty Farm Sergeant, who is Dottie's sire as well. So there's a little bit of line breeding there, but the Jew daughters are nice. And one of my favorites is this doe Maud, who is a two-year-old. And she was first place two-year-old at Nationals. And she's really, really pretty. And she's a two-year-old first freshener. So she's young, but like there's stuff going on there. And so she'll be one to watch as well. And so seeing these Jude daughters does get me excited on what can happen. And because Dottie is a sergeant daughter out of an Aspen Hills rainbow daughter, it's kind of a close pedigree to animals like Maud. So I can have an idea of what we're going to potentially get. And I think it's going to be a good cross and there's going to be Jude is just such a gorgeous, like flat, long level buck. He's going to keep the strengths of what Dottie already has, but then maybe um, add a little, just a little bit more polish. I think Um, maybe a little bit more width and just things to just really kind of put the more width. How much more width? How much more width do you want out of that monster Dottie? She could use a little more. Listen, I just like the cherry on top. I like, okay. I love that dough. Me too. Michael Barn could be that dough. I'd probably be okay. But she could use, like, she could be a little bigger. She could be, have a little bit more substance of bone if she really wanted to be this really, really powerful dough. Um, Yeah. So which I think I'm going to get. And then I'm just going to get a little bit more style and a little bit more pizzazz. So again, a little oh. like cherry on top, the mic drop. Oh, that's actually oh. a good name. That's a good yeah. name. I think Anybody, it's been you used. Can have, feel free to use it, everyone. I think it's been used plenty of times. Hold on, I'm looking. Good, yeah, it, I'm pretty positive. I can't spell. Maybe like, thank you, next. Although well, I might be using that. All right, so there has been six, uh, six people who have used that name. Um, That's it. Oh, yeah, I'm telling you, so it's a good one. So feel free to use it. But so that's Dottie. It'll be interesting to see how many people use it after this episode airs. You know, for next year, next year this time, we'll have to to look. Add it to the list of names that you keep in that chart and when you have those perfect animals that you need a name for i think it's a good one yeah we should see if there any has anybody named any ringside <laughs> talk about having an ego <laughs> we all listen we all knew i had an ego i started a podcast uh so should i touch on um the guernsey side uh, or sure. should I should I go for like another like do mo- another do another do like another like super exciting one and then we'll touch on the Guernseys after your super exciting one? Yeah. Um, okay. 
So, uh, I'm not going to go too into depth with Mary Mac. Um, she gave me a daughter I retained. I'm repeating the breeding. So that's, um, kind of spells it out there. Um, but one that I'm excited about is I have uh, Hilaire Farm, Thea Envy, who's a Vasquez daughter and a Minerva daughter. Um, so she should, when she freshens, produce well um, and hopefully have better attachments than her dam. Uh, so that was the whole decision between get, behind getting her bread uh, and being a, or getting her dam bread and, and getting her um, was using Vasquez to kind of tighten things up and smooth out blending, uh, make a less steep butter, um, steep rump, which she did. Uh, but we're going to be using um, Ozzy, a.k.a. Overboard Return to Oz on her. Um, Thea is a powerful doe, a touch fat, just a touch, um, super deep bodied, uh, really nice for her size because she is c- carrying a bit more condition than I'd like. For her size, her feet and legs are holding up well. Um, she's just a really like oomph in your face, really pretty doe. If she had an udder and lost 10 to 15 pounds, she'd probably be dynamite in the ring. Um, she's not dynamite in the ring right now because she's too fat. And that's, you know, something that I'm more than willing to admit. Uh, but I'm using... Ozzy on her to lengthen her out a little bit, get that length of body, you know, length of entire body, barrel, everything, uh, flatten out that top line just a touch. She's, a, you know, she could use a little bit flatter top line, um, kind of sharpen up the front end assembly and lengthen that neck again, just a touch, really add that dairy strength. And I think she's going to create one of my best kids ever. And I'm going to stand by that. She's got so much room under that estuchin for a huge udder that's well attached. I cannot wait to see it. No, that's exciting. And so this will be a Voss then Ozzy kid, right? Right. Yep. Awesome. So that's and like you're breeding, you know, as you were adding bucks, this is kind of the progression you were hoping to do. Yeah, this is this is huge uh, because Everything else um, is not intertwining between the two. So this is kind of like the one where it's like, and this and this is just thinking out loud. This is also why breeding um, busload of faith back to her sire is also a gamble because Thea could easily just give me a bucket, you know? Right. Um, so it's a gamble for my program to be doing this. Um, but I mean, you miss all the shots that you don't take, right? No, so, exactly. It's an, it's really an exciting breeding. I cannot wait for that Dota freshen. Like as soon as she comes into heat, as long as it's October and the kids will be coming in March, like game on. I can't wait. No, I listen. My does are in heat today. Nobody's getting bread, but <laughs> they were in heat. So it's it's something that can happen. Definitely. So sooner than later. <laughs> exactly. What's uh so let's let's hear your most exciting or second most exciting breeding and then we'll kind of touch into the Guernsey side of things. Okay. Well, I'm actually it works out that I'm going to take this time to do kind of a twofer if you want to call it. And 
it is that I will be planning on breeding my doe raindrops on roses to my buck, my enchanted acres in the zone or Enzo as I call him. But I will also be breeding her daughter, King's Rock, tied up with strings to Enzo as well. And so my reasoning behind it is very similar. So I kind of figured, let me lump them together and talk about them. So for Rosie in particular, she's definitely not my favorite doe to AI. Um, We've had to slightly sedate her in the past to AI her, and we have had success, including the success and the result of this doe tied up with strings and her full brother or her littermate brother calling the cavalry. So what that means is out of the two live bucks I have on my property, both of them are either the dam of Cal or the littermate of Cal. And I could line. Daniel's audio cuts out at this point, guys. Uh, So basically she's talking about her herd and and the improvements she wants to see uh, with that. But, uh, She also asks me about my Guernseys and my plan for them and if I'm going to stick to using a smaller medium animal like an Oberhasli on a Guernsey uh, or a Guernsey on Guernsey. And yeah, that's what uh, is happening there. Uh, So here's on to my audio and sorry about that. Uh, Yeah. Sure. So I have my two dry yearling currencies, uh, Noritake and uh, Nakarat, um, who we call Carrot. We'll call Carrot for the rest of it because I hate saying Nakarat. Um, so we have Nora and we have Carrot. Um, Nora is a stronger boned Guernsey. Um, she's a little bit steep in the rump, but she has a pretty lovely front end. Uh, if I, for, you know, especially I hate saying this, but for a Guernsey, uh, she does have a really nice front end there. Um, she's got nice depth, so she's got a lot going on. She's got some pretty nice feet and legs again for a Guernsey because they're not known for the best feet and legs in the world. Um, so we're going to be using, uh, Vasca or I'm, yeah, I'm going to be using, sorry, Ozzy on her. And here's the thinking with that is I'm trying to add length to her she's she's already a decently long doe but i'd like her to be a little bit longer i'd like a little bit more correct uh angulation to those uh rear legs they're a little bit over angulated if you can believe it or not um and you know flatten out that rump kind of smoothing out that blending and then also uh guernseys aren't known for the best mammary systems not saying that either of mine have their dams have bad uh, memory systems actually they're probably some of the best i've seen uh so we're just going to kind of get that overboard touch with those memories on there you know get those four udders to be smoother and longer um get a little bit more extension of the rear udder uh get a little bit more height as well um, that's our plan with her now uh she's the easier of the two she's she's when you look at her, she's a decent dairy goat. Uh, then there's there's Nora. Nora's a little bit more frail, a uh, little bit more fine-boned, uh, definitely steeper in the rump. Um, feet and legs aren't the greatest. Uh, so what I'm doing with her is I'm throwing Voskus on her. And here's why. 
Vasquez is a hefty beast. And guess what? His daughters, although, well, one of them's a hefty beast because she's fat, but although he's hefty, he still has, he can still throw that strength without being coarse. So that's what I'm trying to do with this breeding. Uh, Carrot, like I said, it's frail, so we're going to try to add a little bit more bone. Uh, definitely level out that rump. Um, get those pasterns a little bit more up there. Um, front end is she's a little heavy shouldered. So she's my project goat. Like she's if she was an overhostly, she'd be gone. But again, you have to have kind of blinders on with these Guernseys. Um, so yeah, so we're we're putting these bucks on overhostly bucks on there. We're hoping for Guernsey colored kids out of them. Um, and then bucks, we're not even considering to keep as bucks. They're just going to be weathers, like, you know, go for meat or pets or whatever, you know, have a nice, cute Guernsey colored ex uh, experimental there. Uh, so that's our that's our plan is, you know, fix udders and and hopefully some body confirmation issues and uh, cross our fingers, hope for right coloring uh, and, you know, hope for the best. Yeah, I, I, you're right. I should have mentioned that. I mean, it's so breed standards are a huge thing for me. I know people think that um, I kind of rub dirt in the face of or throw dirt in the face of everybody by clipping my one Guernsey. Uh, but that's really just to show that they can be a competitive animal, which I think she can be. Um, so breed standards mean a lot to me. Uh, there's a reason I don't use Alpine with my Oberhasli. And there's a reason why I refuse to use Sonnen on my Guernseys or use a Guernsey buck on a sonnet. Like uh, I just don't think that it's responsible. I think we'll lose sight of the breed and what it's supposed to be really fast. Um, so yeah, you know, I'm not trying to toot my own horn by saying that I have the best bucks, Oberhausley bucks on the Northeast. I think I have one of the best tandems um, on the Northeast for sure. Uh, but there's not really anybody, uh, within the Guernsey breed that's using kind of the caliber um, that I am going to be using on these Guernsey does, um, trying to get the uh, just the quick improvements. Um, not saying that people are doing it wrong. I'm just kind of trying something different. And hey, maybe somebody's trying something better and I'm just not aware of it. Uh, but that's that's what my thinking was behind using Oberhaas. He was trying to keep within the size and yes, um, improve a little bit quicker. So uh, that's that's what we're doing with them. I'm really excited to see those kids too. No, they should be cool. And this is ultimately, I mean, you miss all the shots you don't take, or I forget what our. It's what Wayne Gretzky said. Yeah, yeah. You miss every. <laughs> you miss all the shots you don't take. Yep. And the, but then I forget what our analogy was earlier too to kind of throw in a little bit of a callback to earlier in the episode, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> It's one of those things that if it works, great. And if it doesn't, you next year's a whole new year. And you see, you get to evaluate the mammary systems on these does, see what other things you need to improve, and at, change it up if you need it. I mean, the best part is, as we make these breeding plans, we get to have a blank slate each year. And yeah. We just have each, you know, the only thing we add is just the knowledge base and kind of the experience that we use to influence these plans and make breeding decisions. Oh, for sure. And I think it's, 
people listening uh, who might be saying, well, these guys are just trying to uh, promote their own herds. Well, first of all, it's kind of our podcast and we can do what I want. But secondly, um, that it's really just to show with actual animals that you can, you know, go on our sites and look at who we're talking about while you're listening to this. But uh, this is really to show how much thought is really supposed to go behind these animals. It's not, oh, well, this one has a national champion in there, so it needs to be used on this one. It has a totally opposite uh, genetically and phonetically uh, animal as well. Like, no, like there's a lot of thought that goes behind it and should go behind it. And that's how really you get the improvements quicker within your herd is by actually thinking about what you're breeding what to and not just breeding whatever to whatever and hoping that something sticks, you know? Right. And I think that is basically the true definition of a successful dairy goat breeder. And it's any, it's just like dogs. And we, you see all these, like anybody can just take a dog and breed this dog to another one of their breeds and puppies are going to result. But if you're really out there to make improvements it's not just this dog to this dog because this dog is 10 minutes away. It's I'm breeding this dog to this dog because I feel, and the same thing with goats, that this pairing is going to be the best thing I can do this year with the resources I have on hand. Yes. And these are going to be the best kids possible. Yes, I agree. W- way to wrap it up. I love that. Uh, Danielle, I think that is a good spot to wrap it up. And next week we'll be talking fair uh, as we will both be there. And who knows, it might be another off the rails type episode uh, where um, some schmelkohol is involved. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, aren't all of our episodes off the rails? Well, this will be even more so. <laughs> so <laughs> listeners, this is your warning. We will try our best to bring another awesome episode of ringside to you all next week, but it's fair week. So please bear with us and I'm sure you'll enjoy it in some way or another. (laughs) It'll kind of be a surprise on what we come up with, how it turns out. It could be a great episode. You could be laughing at us. You could just turn it on, start listening to us and just skip it and wait till our next episode we don't it you know whatever works <laughs> but we'll choice. be here next week as well yes we will and danielle for those that are looking for us on the old interwebs where can they find us so as always you can find us on our website dairygoatpodcast.com and as we are getting into sweatshirt weather just a quick reminder we do have fun sweatshirts on our merch store which is available at dairygoatpodcast.com slash merch you can find us on facebook if you search ringside and american dairy goat podcast on instagram we are ringside underscore goat underscore podcast and we are on tiktok and twitter as well give us a search ringside and american dairy goat podcast and we will pop up there And as always, be sure to subscribe, download, and rate and review on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. We are there and we appreciate your feedback. 
Perfect. And that's a good wrap up because Alice just woke up for a nap. So everybody, thank you for tuning in. This has been Ringside, an American Dairy Goat podcast. I'm John. And I'm Danielle. We'll catch you on the next one. Ringside, an American Dairy Goat podcast, is not an affiliate of the American Dairy Goat Association. All opinions or information regarding the ADGA does not represent the registry.